G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. By the time we got airborne, it was like a, a big barrel. So there's thunderstorms to the right, there's thunderstorms to the left, there's thunderstorms overhead. But we had a clear path to the national capital. And he said, how is it that you knew the weather's going to be like? I said, well, of course, I asked the Father. If I ask him in the name of Jesus, he'll fix anything for me. And he said, wow. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, James O'Keefe always wanted to be a pilot, and after he became a Christian, God called him to be a missionary as well. But how could he do both at the same time? As we'll hear today, God had an interesting way of working this out. The Lord opened the door for James to be a pilot in a country that severely restricts the Christian faith and where missionaries aren't allowed to enter. So, James was able to share his faith with his co-workers at the secular airline he worked at in a highly restrictive Southeast Asian country. Today, we'll hear how the Lord used James to impact people's lives as he has a chat with Shelley Scowen. Welcome to the program, James. Thank you, Shelley. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, James, I reckon nearly every little boy says that he wants to be a pilot when he grows up. And for you, that dream actually came true. How old were you when you decided that you actually wanted to be a pilot? Well, I was playing with model aeroplanes at the age of three, my mother tells me. And I was building them at five, balsa wood. (laughs) And I was always fascinated by birds. And at the age of eight, I was watching all the right things. And I knew at that point that I was going to grow up to be a pilot. Wow, because there's a lot of training that you have to go through to be a pilot. For one thing, you have to do very well in school, uh, but then obviously there's years and years of training and you continue training throughout your entire career as a pilot. Uh, So did you go straight into that after you finished school? No, no, I didn't. I actually worked for an airline on the ground and then I got married at the age of 21, had three children, worked two jobs to support the family and pay off the house. I was not a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until I was 33. And my previous wife and I, we fought every day until finally the marriage exploded at the age of 26. Wow. After that, I had the children uh, for some time. This wasn't a bad woman. This was a good woman, faithful and true. The children I gave to their mother one by one, and then eventually I had nothing in my life. I had no family. I had my job working for an airline on the ground. I was uh, rejected by my friends. And so I began and I started to study on my own by correspondence and got a private license, got a commercial license. And then I went to school for one year. Yeah, you obviously worked very, very hard to get those credentials. Where does God come into all of this then? Because I'm guessing by this time you were probably close to 33. You mentioned that you, uh, you met God when you were 33. Yes, I did. After I began to fly, I had various relationships with girlfriends and every relationship I had crashed. At the same time, the company I was working for had folded up because of uh, mishandling of the money. And all of a sudden, I'm in my house, my beautiful three-bedroom house in Singapore with no work. My career had crashed. The relationship of my life had crashed. 
and I had nothing. But somebody on the streets of London when I was 20 years old told me. She said, I'm not going out with you. I've got a boyfriend. His name is Jesus, and he's the best thing that ever happened to me. And that stuck in my heart. For the first time in my life, I'd seen come out of this very plain, simple girl that I saw on the streets of London. There was something far, far deeper that I knew nothing about. Somebody else along the way came to me in Tamworth and uh, they started to talk about God to me because I had a picture on the wall of supposedly a portrait of Jesus. He said, I see that you're very religious. And I said, oh, no. I said, look, I've been divorced. That means I can never get to heaven. You know, that means I'm finished with God forever. This man said to me, you just told me one thing. He said, you'd know about religion, but he said, you have never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm. But he said, if the day comes and you want to give Jesus your life, you get on your knees and you say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. I ask you to come and live in my heart. Now, he taught me that. Now, two things, when I was going through that, I locked the house in Singapore for four days and I cried. And I didn't want to get up out of bed because I had nothing to live for. My whole world had crashed. But at the end of those four days, I got on my knees in my lounge room and I gave, I gave my whole life to Jesus Christ. And something hit me like I've never experienced. In hindsight, I can tell you now that that was when I got born again. Within three weeks, I was with a charismatic group of youth and these people really loved God. You could see the difference in terms of the relationship versus religion. Oh, absolutely. These people really loved God. And they took me around to churches and they took me to full gospel businessmen's fellowship and they took me to youth with a mission. And within three months of that day, I was in youth with a mission you know, doing a discipleship training school for six months. And leadership said, we believe you've been called to be a pilot at this point in time in your life. And we think you should go back to flying. In the meantime, in Singapore, before I went into youth with a mission, there was a lady that I used to work with with East West Airlines in Tamworth, a lady that I'd never taken any notice of, very plain, simple. That wasn't my kind of lady. And she found out I was actually living in Singapore, got my number from my father. She saw such a difference in me. She couldn't believe that this was the same man that she used to work with on the ground in Tamworth. And she had to have what I had. So she gave a life to Jesus Christ and got born again too, went back to Australia and I said, Lord, I need a, a wife, you know. And every time I asked the Lord, I had a picture of Barbara in my face. Barbara is somebody I never took any notes of. I didn't know what that was. I was too young in the Lord to understand what that meant. But finally, it was so constant that I said, Lord, one more time. I will see this woman one more time. And there's a lot of testimony. Three months after that, Barbara and I were married. And God gave us my first airline job in Melbourne three days before the wedding. <laughs> And we've been married 38 years and had two sons, Joshua James and Jeremiah John. <laughs> That's awesome. Incidentally, the three children from the first marriage, independently of me, all came to the Lord wow. and married into Christian families. Wow. What and right blessing. now there's 14 grandchildren and one great-grandchild from three days ago. <laughs> Congratulations, great-granddad. <laughs> so God has restored so much in your life um, from the loss of your first family to now being restored to a new family, another wife and two more sons. So that's an incredible testimony for you. And you can hear the change in your voice even too, that you know, you know the blessing of God in your life and uh, the blessing of relationship with God in your life as well. You said that um, you yeah. were feeling called to be a missionary. 
but you also felt called to be a pilot at the same time. And that's been a bit of a struggle for you at various times throughout your life. I mean, when God calls you to two things that can seem separate, but actually he wanted you to do both. Can you talk to us about how you've actually been able to be a pilot and a missionary at the same time? Yes, certainly, Shelley. It was a struggle, but one of the hallmarks of being in the centre of God's will is being so blessed. And uh, in 1989, the Australian pilots had a a big fight with the Australian government and as a result, 1,635 of us resigned from four companies. 1,000 of us left the country and quite a number of us went into Southeast Asia. There I met a man who was an Anglican priest who was going independent. God immediately said, go with that man, stand with that man, look after him in every way you can. So I became his armour bearer. And I was with him for 24 years. This whole concept of the armour bearer, I had to Google it. It's a term that I hadn't actually come across when it comes to church circles before. Can you tell us a bit about what an armour bearer actually does? Well, in the New Testament, I think it's obvious what an armour bearer does in the Old Testament. Basically, he's a bodyguard and a servant in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he is a spiritual bodyguard. He does a lot of spiritual warfare. The the armour bearer is like this. He's called to loyalty, to the man of God. Some people don't like to be committed to one man because if the man falls, they fall with him. But the armour bearer is different to this call. The armour bearer says, I will stand by you no matter what happens to you. If you fall into sin, I will stand by you and revitalise you. I will pray for you. I'm committed to you, both in the natural and the supernatural. I found this book, Armour Bearer, on the shelf. But I'd been doing what it said for six years. It was built, written by a man called Terry Nance, who was Happy Caldwell's associate pastor. And he wrote, he wrote a book called God's Armour Bearer. And it's all about being an armour bearer to the senior pastor in the New Testament. And when I found the book, I found out I'd been doing what was written therein for the last six years. So being that spiritual encouragement to the senior pastor, basically, and, you know, being his right-hand man, kind of in an associate pastor kind of role, but also being the the bloke that is there for the senior pastor to really build him up and give that spiritual mentorship and accountability. Is that how you'd, you'd sum it up? Yes. The strange thing about it was, because they used to send religious police to church, some of them became converted. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. One such man told me, he said, Look, he said so many times they wanted to have a go at him, but if they did, they'd have a go at themselves because he said, you guys are connected in every way. Your bank accounts are connected. Everything of your life is connected to this man. And he said, if they can't have a go at him because they'll be having a go at themselves because you're a captain on their national airline and you were invited with 300 other Australians by the then prime minister of the country. Wow. (laughs) So in fact, The way God did it, I only found out later. This was many years later I found out that not only that was one of his protection, but there was always this spiritual warfare. And I went, I completed Bible college with him. It took me six years because I was flying. I was a training captain. I was a check captain. And then I had a young family to organize and look after as well. You're listening to The Story. 
Today, Shelley Scowan is chatting with James O'Keefe, who's been sharing with us how the Lord used him to spread the gospel in a highly restrictive Southeast Asian country. As we've been hearing, James was able to enter the country as a pilot and then began to have an influence on his co-workers. We'll hear more of James's story, including how he's now helping homeless people when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowan chatting with James O'Keefe who's been sharing with us how the Lord used him to share his faith in a highly restrictive Southeast Asian country. This country does not allow missionaries, and so the Lord opened the door for James to go there as a pilot. As we'll hear, God used James to share the gospel in some remarkable ways. God is doing some incredible things in these countries. Can you tell us about your own experiences of uh, what God is doing to bring people to himself? Yes. Doing Alpha courses is inviting people for a meal. You can't preach on the streets of this country. You can't even talk to a religious person about Jesus Christ. But you can invite them for for lunch. And I think that is the most effective tool in this country for bringing people to the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. It works for them because of their situation. At the same time, the non-profit organisations that I am referring to have great integrity. No room for any criticism. As a pilot, the first officers used to look to me for guidance. You know, because you're the captain in those kind of countries, they don't just treat you like the captain of an aeroplane. They treat you like an authority on life. Because if you've had your life where you've, you've come through opposition, you're actually a training captain, and uh, they look to you with respect for these achievements and also your character. So a lot of them would come as if I was a chaplain, for instance, right? which I was not at that time. If you are a missionary in an impossible place, greater is the grace of God, the miracles of God. I was coming back one day and we were in a line of thunderstorms. We're in like a funnel. He said, what route would you like to go back? He said, both routes are laden with thunderstorms. And I'd already done some praying on the way in uh, that the Lord would fix it for us because we had a tight schedule. We had another two flights after that. I didn't want to be delayed with thunderstorms. I said to him, no, the path will be clear. We'll be okay. He said, it wasn't okay when we came and the forecast says it's going to be bad. I said, yes, I know, but it'll be right for us. Trust. So anyway, by the time we got airborne, it was like a a big barrel. So there's thunderstorms to the right, there's thunderstorms to the left, there's thunderstorms overhead, but we had a clear path to the national capital. That's awesome. And he said, how is it that you knew the weather's going to be like? I said, well, of course, I asked my father. If I ask him in the name of Jesus, he'll fix anything for me. And he said, wow. He said, I'm, a, I'm enjoying the calm air here with all the thunderstorms we could have had to go through. <laughs> and, uh, Makes for an easy day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell him, look up. And we looked up through the windscreen of the front windscreen, which is light refraction because the, the windscreen of an airliner is um, very tempered glass. And in the sky, right above us with the sun, the sun was shining through the cloud. Uh, we saw a perfect cross. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Now, that man saw a miracle of the weather that God organized for me, but didn't know that he believed it. But when he saw the cross, 
he knew what God did, and he received the gospel from that. Now, I said very little. I said a few words here and there, but that's how it was. Yes, so God really opened the doors and opened the conversations for your ministry in a place that can be quite hostile to Christianity. God is the one who just started these conversations for you and and often finished the conversations for you as well. You know, he gave you the answers to what these people were asking, which is uh, just awesome. You served in PNG as a pilot and also as an associate pastor in a local church there, having a great ministry, uh, doing a lot of teaching and preaching and seeing a lot of great growth. It was just an incredible ministry. You had a pretty amazing opportunity at your workplace, didn't you? The company was going to fold when I came there. And I went into the CEO's office and I said to him, I hear the company's going to fold up. That was a month after I started. And he said, yes, I'm just formulating a plan. I don't know what I'm going to do with the staff because there's, we have 250 staff members, of which 200 are grassroots people. That's a big weight for me. I said, well, I know how to fix the company. And he said, why, have you got $28 million? And I said, no. I've got some far greater than that. I've got Jesus Christ. And if you let me call a prayer meeting, God will save this company. This guy was uh, another religion, not Christian. And he said, I'm at the end of my rope. He said, I don't know where to turn. He said, Captain O'Keefe, you can go out there and you do anything you want to do. If you think you can save this company, I don't care what you do. You have my full blessing. Go. And I walked out and he called me. He said, you know, it's not going to work, do you? And I said, we'll see. So I went out and told four people on the ground we had a prayer meeting. I asked the chief pilot with his permission. I had the permission of the CEO. And I asked the engineering manager because the prayer meeting was going to be in the hangar. And so I told four people at 11.30 on Friday afternoon because the lunch breaks are between 12 and 1. I didn't want to interfere with the company. So we didn't want to steal any time from the company. And I went down the hangar with four people to pray for the company. And the Lord said, wait. And in the next 15 minutes, 27 people walked in, including all the heads of department. Wow. And the Lord gave me scripture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my faith, I will hear their prayer, I will forgive their sins, and I will bless the land that they're in. The land we were in was the company, because if you are working in a place like Papua New Guinea, your whole life is governed by the company. That's the land you're in. If you lose your job, there's hardly any other work waiting for you. And so the department heads asked to be prayed for as well, and I just prayed for wisdom for them, that God would guide them in the correct direction. Well, God started to fill the aeroplanes up. Every flight, we only had a 20% load factor. Now we had over 92% load factor. Every flight was just about full. Within six months, we were out of the red into the black, and that company lasted another three years. As a result of that, three prayer meetings sprung up, two in the hangar, one in the city office. I did very little. I was obedient to the Lord and went before the CEO. That morning when I was spending time with the Lord and the Lord told me to go and talk to the CEO in his office, I said, Lord, I'm going to look like an idiot. And he said, if you stand before men for my name's sake, I'll stand before my heavenly father for you. So I said, yes, sir, I'm your man. I'll do it. <laughs> right? And then I said, what am I going to say? And he said, if you're brought before men for my name's sake, fear not what to say because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. As a result, I became corporate pastor to that company, as well as I was promoted to training captain. Then I was promoted to check captain. Then I was promoted to fleet manager. And with the authority that I was given, the authority of influence, I could talk about Jesus 
and it was a free country. It was a so-called Christian country, and so I was free at last. Yeah, it's just awesome stuff what God has done through you in the past and what he's continuing to do through you now because you've gone from this literally high-flying career to now working in Brisbane, serving at a soup kitchen, volunteering and having a great ministry there, serving the homeless people of Brisbane. What are you passionate about with this ministry? Well, I think, you know, my wife and I were millionaires in this country. We were so blessed. Long story short, the investments went belly up and we were givers. We were always giving. We were looking for places to give. We looked after our senior pastor. We were extremely well paid. I don't say that for any self-praise. I say that because of the goodness of God, not only to him but to me, because in my giving, God made us millionaires. God blessed the work of my hands. And so the company went belly up. We had nothing. And Barbara and I didn't lose one night's sleep because our life was founded on the rock. With all our possessions gone, including the house in Australia, that was invested as well. We came back and I met Pastor Matt Prayer and Vision Christian Ministries simultaneously. And when I came back from Papua New Guinea, I spent two years in Malaysia. I was fasting and praying for two years and seeking the Lord as to what's next. And I only heard one thing, radio. So I contacted Vision and said, have you got any jobs? And they said, we've got volunteers on the prayer line. And then at the same time, I went to a church and found Pastor Matt Prater is running New Hope. And I overheard him speaking to a woman. The first time I ever met him, he was saying, I'm a radio announcer at Vision Christian Ministries. And I knew I was in the right church and on the right track. So for 12 months, I was on the Vision Christian prayer line and having a great time down there, you know, giving words of knowledge, words of wisdom, praying for people, committing pe- people who were giving their life to the Lord over the phone. And Matt said, I've got something for you. I want you to drive the bus. So I went from airline captain to bus driver. That's awesome. In 24 hours. Wow. (laughs) And then I was driving the bus for Matt six months, and he said, uh, I want to appoint you chaplain to the 12 shelters that you visit. He said, you're in there praying for the sick. You're in there counselling people. You're picking them up. You're bringing people to the Lord. He said, you're doing all the work of, of a chaplain. He said, I'm going to appoint you chaplain. I said, yes, sir because I'm not going to argue with God. I've been around too long to start questioning things, right? When senior pastor says, do this, I know it's God telling me to do it. That's the end of the story. Simple. Life is very simple to me. It's been very, very exciting. Um, I belong to a church yesterday. The soup kitchen we call the King's Table. Jesus said, whatever you do to these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. And so we serve our best at the King's Table. We give them a three-course meal. We've got a qualified chef, Norm. Great man of God. Yesterday, a total of 17 people gave their life to Jesus Christ on one day. This is revival. Wow. (laughs) This is the the time we're living in. This is the most exciting time of my life. Listen, working for Jesus Christ, working with the Lord, is far, far more exciting than the best airplane they ever made. I mean, I've enjoyed my life as a pilot. I've enjoyed my life as a boat captain. I've got a license to drive everything, trucks, buses, you name it, everything except a train. That was God's grace to me in the natural. But in the supernatural, he's given me the ability to preach the gospel. He's given me the ministry of chaplain. He's given me the ministry of armor bearer to Pastor Matt. We have a wonderful church leadership. We have a wonderful time together. And we're all submissive to one another. We're all encouraging one another above ourselves. We're always praying for one another and loving one another. And uh, 
It is a special grace to love the unlovable. We love those people who have been rejected by society. But it's, a, it's the heart, seeing them through Jesus' eyes, is the most exciting thing. And when you see them give their life to Jesus Christ and you watch them being born again, and uh, I just can't go on with, with it is such an exciting life, Shelley. I, I, you know, and uh, I'm 74 years of age now. He's renewed my youth like the eagle. He has equipped me for the time ahead. We will shine like stars in the sky in this dreadful era. The worse the world gets, the better we'll get. The brighter we'll shine. <laughs> Yeah, you can hear your love for people. I think throughout our whole conversation, you can hear that God has blessed you in your career, but your heart has been to use your career to be a missionary, to reach people, whether they be uh, the other uh, crew members on your flights or whether that be you know the random people that you come across in the streets, inviting them along to church and now serving uh, amongst uh, the homeless people in Brisbane as well. Your heart is for people and you're just going wherever God leads you. And that's taking you to some very interesting places around the world. James O'Keefe, thank you so much for sharing just a snapshot of your story with us today. Shelley, it's been my pleasure. Anytime I can boast about Jesus Christ, just give me the microphone. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was Shelley Scowen chatting with former pilot and current chaplain James O'Keefe. And what a remarkable journey he's been on. They say that the best place you can be is the centre of God's will. And that's exactly where James has strived to be. And as we heard, it has led him on several adventures in various countries in the Asia-Pacific region. And now, following the Lord's will has led him to helping homeless people here in Australia. An incredible turn of events from being a high-flying pilot to working with some of the most destitute people in society. But as you could hear in his voice, he just loves doing ministry. So I think it's appropriate that we end today with a prayer from the book of Hebrews for all who strive to serve the Lord. It says, Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for James O'Keefe's incredible life story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There were times in my career, I remember I was working on, on a serial killer and he'd eluded us and uh, we lost contact. We were just about to arrest him and he vanished. Well, we found him about nine months later living in Adelaide. And I'll never forget I had to interview this guy Before I walked in there, I just prayed to the Lord and in my worst rebellion in the state I was at, when I needed God, I asked for him and he answered me. Rod Baker was working as a highly successful detective in New South Wales while at the same time, his marriage was falling apart. Miraculously, they got back together after a 12-year separation. We'll find out their story next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 